Good morning, guys. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're joining in this morning. For those of you coming live, uh, we're distributed this morning. Uh, Phil is in Fairhope. Uh, they finished up a couple's retreat this past weekend, and he felt that uh, with the weather conditions, he probably should just stay there. I don't blame him. Jeff has us all pulled together from his control center at his house, and uh, I'm coming to you from my office. If you're not out on the roads, that's probably a good idea. I drove in this morning, and uh, there is some ice still on overpasses and uh, any elevated surface, so be careful out there. You know, as I drove in this morning, I was kind of reminded uh, of what Scripture tells us. You know, isn't it a beautiful sight to wake up and look out and see the blanket of snow, or in our case, maybe sleet and ice, but a blanket of white covering everything. Phil likes to say that uh, he speaks to us through movies and clips. I can't help but think about the image of white blanket and the grace of Jesus Christ covering all sins. Amen. What a wonderful day to be here. What a wonderful day to be alive. <laughs> Guys, we've got some exciting news. Uh, while we are a ceasefire roundtable, uh, we are a community first. Community uh, has been a little bit rough these days uh, through Zoom meetings and the technology we've used to gather uh, remotely on computers. In two weeks, March 4th, Ben Derrick is making Vertical Church available to us to meet. Hallelujah! In two weeks, we'll be meeting in person, not just the leadership team, all of us. All men are welcome. Vertical Church in Gluckstadt. It's on Gluckstadt Road, almost at Reunion. Matter of fact, it's the last piece of property before you get to the Reunion Stables. Look it up on the internet if you need uh, to Google the address. Vertical Church. We'll be meeting in two weeks. I mentioned that uh, Phil and Carla had a uh, couples retreat this past weekend. Best one they've ever had. A lot of young couples, newlyweds, engaged couples, preparing for marriage. Cannot think of a better time to be doing a couples retreat than before you get into marriage to understand maybe what responsibilities there are of each individual. Guys, a couple of other things we'll touch on. Fish camp this weekend in Fairhope. Sign up online. There's probably room still available. Deer camp, a special deer camp, March 5th through 7th. That's the Friday after we meet at Vertical Church. This is a regular deer camp followed by a pastor's deer camp. Deer camp will be the 5th, 6th, and 7th. Pastor's deer camp Sunday through Tuesday. As Phil said, bring your pastor with you. Let me remind you again, March 13th is a celebration service for our brother Tim Atkinson in South Haven. Phil put out an email. There's room available to sign up for a bus. Attendance is low. Right now, Phil and I are the only two that have signed up. Please make an effort to let us know of your intentions. I know this week has been a little bit of a mess with the weather, but uh, in the coming days, if you would, please let us know of your intentions and going up. So Phil can make arrangements uh, uh, either with the bus or make arrangements that we can caravan or carpool or however guys can get together and, and go up and uh, be with Denise and Tim's family, his brother and his sons. Guys, two weeks from today, we will be meeting again. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. Let me open this with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. 
we thank you for the opportunity to gather here remotely through Zoom and the technology. I thank you so much for my brothers, Jeff and Jeff and Chris, as they continue diligently to provide us with the material that Phil teaches from and bringing us together through this technology of Zoom. I thank you so much for Phil and his preparedness each week, bringing us manna to feed on, to make it through. Lord, I ask that you continue to bless these men. I thank you so much for the opportunity of us gathering again live. Thank you for Ben and his church. Thank you most all for you and what you did for our lives on the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Am I good to go, Jeff? You're good to go. All right. Thanks again, Joe. Um, all of my dear brothers uh, in uh, Mississippi, Vicksburg, Jackson, Madison, all of that area, I've been praying for your safety and for your warmth. My uh, sweet daughters in Dallas are without uh, power and or have been uh, through the week. And so it's uh, I've been keeping up with Texas and Mississippi, and I'm just glad that I'm uh, in Fairhope, Alabama. We've had some cold weather, but nothing like what you guys have had. And I would just say this, I'm in, I'm in love with Mayor George Flaggs over in Vicksburg. Somehow I'm on his feed, and he gives a daily uh, early, early morning update on how things are in Vicksburg. And I love me some uh, George Flaggs. I have great respect for him, and he's taking care of all of his uh, – uh, people over there in uh, Vicksburg, but hope you guys and gals are staying safe and warm uh, in Mississippi. Uh, as as uh, Joe said, I just want to reiterate that we are so excited that Ben Derrick and uh, our friends at Vertical Church have opened up their doors. So in two weeks, we will gather together. It is gathering time. Uh, so, uh, hope everybody will be present, obviously come at your own risk and, uh, come as you feel safe, want you to be safe. Um, so, uh, make the decision that is best for you and we will respect that, but we will gather at Vertical Church in two weeks for Men's Roundtable. So this morning, um, as we begin, I have a song for you and, um, this whole idea of promises, living on the promises of God, uh, that if Joshua is going to take the land and be the man, then he's, he's going to do it on a firm foundation of promises. And this is a song in contrast, in many ways, to God's promises. There is a, such a thing as empty promises, broken promises, sad, broken promises made by broken men. And I want to offer you a song this morning by Randy Travis. And it's, it's an age-old story of a man who is struggling with his own demons, with his own addiction, and he keeps making empty promises. And this is in contrast, of course, to the promises of God. Randy Travis sings this, just, just a little bit of the song uh, down toward the, uh, the middle, the chorus. And I'll make promises, promises to change. I'll make her promises, swear I'll rearrange, and I'll start giving all the love she needs. 
if only she'll stay. Once again, she'll reassure me, and I believe her love will cure me, and I'll fall asleep with tears on my face, and I know she's just a woman, and her love can't last forever, and someday soon I know she'll leave without a trace, for broken promises will tear her dreams apart. Just token promises will someday break her heart, and for the last time, she'll hold me when I cry, and while I'm sleeping, she'll quietly say goodbye. Sad song, and many of you guys have been through the story of this song. I want to play it for you this morning, and uh, I hope you see the contrast to how our broken promises can be swallowed up in the firm foundation of the gospel and the promises of God. May you hear the voice of God, and may he awaken our hearts to his food for us this morning. Cheap perfume and painted faces Fallen angels fill the places Where I go when my troubles pull me down And all the lies I know they'll tell me And the time that they will sell me For a while I'll be the biggest man in At home, in bed she's crying, for her love for me is dying, but she'll pray I make it safely through the night when the morning sun start showing to her bedside I'll be going and she'll hold me while I face the morning light and I'll make promises Promises to change I'll make her promises Swear I'll rearrange And I'll start giving All the love she needs If only she will stay Once again She'll reassure me and I believe her love will cure me And I'll fall asleep with tears on my face And I know she's just a woman And her love can't last forever 
And someday soon I know she'll leave without a trace For broken promises Will tear her dreams apart Just token promises Will someday break her heart And for the last time She'll hold me when I cry And while I'm sleeping She'll quietly Goodbye Wow, Randy Travis, Broken Promises. Praise God, praise God, praise God. We don't have to live that way. But many of us have, and many of us have experienced being a promise breaker uh, and having had promises broken toward us. Uh, but um, thank you, God, for your everlasting secure promises. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Gentlemen, Joshua, take the land, be the man. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The book of Joshua is the book of conquest. The battlefield is Canaan, and it is where God keeps his promise that he made with Abraham. And we're going to dig into that in a big way uh, today, the promise made to Abraham. In this study, we will use the land possessed by Joshua and the people of Israel as a metaphor to understand how we take possession of what it means to be a Christian man. We will examine 10 issues that men face every day. Each day is a battle to be faced with courage, strength, and faith. You must be courageous. Will you? So courageously, what we're looking at today is our second issue of the 10. We looked at identity for several weeks, uh, and now we're looking at focus, uh, our priorities. And what we're looking at today is I want you to name your priorities. Um, what are your priorities? So pick up a pen. Let's do some journaling, as we always do. I have three questions for you. Um, great men ask great questions. Um, and so you, uh, as a mentor of mine said to me years ago, you never grow beyond your questions. It's interesting. I was in a counseling session this week uh, and I was chastising, uh, my friend, uh, that I was sitting with. And I said, dude, you come into these counseling sessions and you never ask any questions. It's like, you just kind of show up. And I said, if you don't start asking me questions, I said, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, uh, but I've been doing this for a, a, quite a while. I can be a resource to you, but you've got to start asking some questions. Do you really want to get better? So I've got some questions for you. 
First question I want you to, uh, to tease out in your journal, what is your focus for today? What's your focus? Write it out. That question, by the way, is just simply a way of asking you in a different way, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? Name them. It is a great way to start every morning in your journaling. Today, my priorities are, and certainly I would just suggest to you, um, walking with God, loving God, loving those he brings my way. I mean, you and I can be such a um, restorer and encourager to people today. Everybody that comes into your presence and my presence, um, I hope that they will smell Jesus. I mean, scripture says we are the fragrance of Christ. So what's your focus? Love God, love people. We're going to talk about that more today. Second question, what resources will you rely on today? And I know that some of uh, the guys that are listening uh, to this uh, this morning, I mean, you may feel like you have no resources, um, that you're all alone. And man, there are resources available. God always makes a way, but it's important that you identify your resources. And as you've heard me say for years, if you've been hanging around with us, resources have got to be greater than responsibilities. You're going to be in a bad place if you have greater responsibility and lesser resources. What we always want is that um, uh, de denominator uh, and numerator. Uh, the numerator has got to be smaller than the denominator. And the numerator, to put it in fraction terms, is responsibilities. And the denominator, the bottom number on a fraction, is your resources. So you always want your resources to be greater than your responsibilities. Otherwise, you're going to be in a really bad place. What are your resources? My resources are friends like George and others. Uh, my good friend George is sitting here on this cold patio uh, this morning, and I love my brother George. And uh, we've got fish camp this weekend, and we'll gather some 25 to 30 guys um, down here in Fairhope, and we'll watch God build community in our midst, and it'll be an incredible resource of his love for each other. Finally, third question, do you believe in the promises of God? I would just suggest to you, in your journal right now, if you're journaling, Write, believe, do. Believe, do. Believe, do. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm telling you that the gospel is about believe first and do second. That you want your doing to be a product of your believing. Because if you get that backwards and you're trying to do so that you will believe more, you will quit. I, I've, I've been at this long enough. I've seen godly men that were far more talented uh, than I ever thought about being uh, wind up on the uh, scrap heap um, of life because they got, their, uh, got out ahead of their skis, uh, so to speak. How's that for a, an appropriate metaphor uh, this morning? Uh, and they got going, doing 
far more than their belief. And, and the gospel is about believe first, do second. Your, what you believe is to drive what you do as opposed to trying to do in order to gain more belief. It won't work. The gospel is believe. Believe. To many as believed in him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. First John 1 12. So guys, with that in mind, let's dig in. So let's uh, read our marching orders right out of Joshua. Once again, Joshua 1, verse 6. Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry it out. The revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of your mind. Ponder it and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice, practice, practice everything in it, written in it. Then you'll get to where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you? Strength, courage. Don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God is with you every step of the way. Wow. Wow. Every day, every day, show up. Joshua 1, 6 through 9, not a better way to start the day. And then I love uh, at the end of the book, Joshua finishes off his life with this in uh, chapter 24, verse 15. And, and again, as I, as I said to you before, there's almost kind of a little bit of a sarcasm in Joshua you know, almost like a little mocking, like, you know, if you want to be stupid, do stupid, but I'm not going to be stupid. It's kind of what he's saying. Okay. Now follow with me. Verse 15. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Choose one of those gods your ancestors worship from the country beyond the river. And how'd that work out? You know, or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. How'd that work out? As for me and my family, we'll worship God. Guys, I love that. You know, let anybody else do what they're doing. Again, you focus on you. Focus on you. It is so easy to get terrorized, intimidated by what everybody else is doing. But it's just like Peter walking on water. Quit looking down at the water. Or it's like uh, Peter once again looking over at John after uh, Jesus had told him to feed his sheep. And, and Peter walks off from the campfire and he says, well, what about that guy? And looking over at uh, 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 the apostle John. And Jesus says, Peter, don't worry about everybody else. You do what I've asked you to do. Stay focused. As for me and my house, we're going to worship God. So, guys, as we, as we dig in, um, and as we've done each week, again, God always gives us a model. He never asks us to do something that he hasn't shown us somebody else doing it, either himself or another man. So Joshua is our model in this idea of manhood. And 
you cannot be a man. You will not be a man. You will fail without appropriate foundation and training. And what, what we've been looking at is the preparation of Joshua. And Joshua was so anchored in the promises of God. This idea of two promises um, were part of what Moses had taught Joshua and the people. There's a spiritual promise, and we looked at that a little bit last week, all the world would be blessed through Abraham, a spiritual promise. Everybody would be spiritually blessed by Abraham. And then, of course, there's the national uh, blessing or promise, that the promise of being a blessing to the whole world and the promise of the land, a nation, two promises, the foundation of promise. So what we want to dig into in these promises is the spiritual blessing, the spiritual blessing. Um, you know, in, in Father's Day, um, times or other times, you know, I've shared with you uh, the research of, of what the five uh, areas of uh, the Jewish blessing was. Um, um, uh, the book by uh, John Trent um, years ago came out, uh, The Blessing. Um, and in The Blessing were the five elements of the Jewish blessing. Um, and it's like, what is the spiritual blessing? It has everything to do what was promised um, through Abraham. Abram started out in a strange land and God told him to pick up and move. And in that moving, he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, um, Peter is, is, is preaching. And, and, and Peter is referring back to this very promise that um, Joshua has been trained in. Build your life on the promises of God. And this is the promise that Peter um, is teaching early on in the beginning of the church. Verse 19, now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins, pour out showers of blessing to refresh you, and send you the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. For the time being, he must remain out of sight in heaven until everything is restored to order again, just the way God, through preaching of his holy prophets of old, said it would be. Moses, again, he's talking to these uh, Jew, Jewish uh, converts, and he obviously, you can't go wrong if you're speaking to a bunch of Jews talking about Moses. Moses, for instance, said, your God will raise up for you a prophet just like me from your family. Listen to every word he speaks to you. Every last living soul who refuses to listen to that prophet will be wiped out from the people. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? All the prophets 
from Samuel on down said the same thing. They kept pointing to someone and said most emphatically that these days would come. These prophets, along with the covenant God made with your ancestors, are your family tree. And now here's, here's the crescendo. God's covenant word to Abraham provides the text. By your offspring, all the families of the earth will be blessed, but you are first in line. God, having raised up his son, sent him to bless you as you turn one by one from your evil ways. Peter is clarifying what the prophets of old have been preaching all along, that Jesus, the Messiah, was the one that Moses and all the other prophets we're pointing to the promise that God would bring us into the, his family by his promise, not by our actions. Guys, this is the gospel. You've got to understand this. It is not about your doing. It is about believing somebody else is doing, and his name is Jesus. He has done the work. Turn over to Galatians chapter 2, and I love this. Peter had his moment in preaching of the promise, and now it, this is a very interesting story of the relationship of Peter and Paul. And this is a this is a a, 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 a story, the narrative of Paul calling out Peter. Listen to this, Galatians chapter two, verse eleven. Later, when Peter came to Antioch. I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. You can't write that in Scripture. I mean, it's like, you know, guys aren't supposed to fight. Well, Paul was committed to the truth, and Peter had his moments, like we all do, of fear. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come uh, from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. That's cool. You know, all those Gentiles. He was hanging out with the Gentiles. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, those conservative Jews, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. Oh my goodness. That's so sad. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Peter was, was bold with his non-Gentile friends, or to his uh, Gentile friends, until his Jewish friends showed up, the ones that were touting that you've got to be circumcised. And Peter shrunk. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. I mean, Paul's calling them out. Guys, that's not the gospel. But when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady, straight course according to the message, I spoke up to Peter in front of them all. Man, once again, poor Peter. I feel compassion for him because I am Peter. It's like Peter can't get it right. You know, Jesus called him out in front of the disciples sitting around the fire, and Dad gun it if the Apostle Paul didn't call him out again as well. 
If you, a Jew, live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs in Jerusalem, what right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your old Jewish buddies? He's calling out Peter in front of the whole group. It is not about being Jewish, racially, bloodline. It's about the promise, and he's getting ready to talk about that. Listen to this. We Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. We, we don't have any advantage. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule-keeping. There's that doing. It's not by doing, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. Now, guys, how much plainer does it have to be? It is the promise of God that we believe, and it is reckoned as righteousness to us. It is not my doing. It's Jesus' doing. How do we know? We tried it, and we had the best system of rules the world had ever seen. You want rules? You know, go to the rules of all the Old Testament. Convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement we believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Not by trying to be good. Get it? It's not about your doing. Now turn over to, to Romans chapter 4. And Paul even continues to make this clear. I love this in, in Romans 4. You've got to make a personal decision. Guys, sitting in a church does not make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Okay? It's like you've got to express personal faith. Verse 16, Romans 4. This is why the fulfillment of God's promise, God's promise, depends entirely on trusting God in His way and then simply embracing him in what he does. God's promise arrives as pure gift. Now, guys, verse 16 is one of the most critical verses in all of Scripture. We don't read it enough. You need to memorize it. You need to rewrite it. You need to understand. Continuing on, that's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them, and then, and then the bottom line, for Abraham is father of us all. He is not our racial father. That's reading the story backward. He is our faith father. Get it? He's our faith father. That we believe in the promise of God that was given to Abraham. And by believing the promise, the promise, the spiritual promise, then we have a firm foundation. And then in that firm foundation of believing the promise, we can move in to being the man that God's created us to be. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read that. That is a powerful passage. But see verse 16. Understand verse 16. So powerful. Because once again, it is the idea of belief that is so 
important. It is not about doing. It is about believing. But once you believe and you have that found, uh, foundation, you can't help but do because you're doing out of an intimacy, not out of a sense of I want to please God, but out of a sense of I want to trust God. If you've never read the book True Face that's been retitled uh, called Cure uh, by Bill Thrall and a couple of his buddies, I can't remember the other two guys' names, must read, must read, must read. True Face, or now in, uh, uh, called Cure by Bill Thrall, T-H-R-A-L-L. 250 pages on the idea of, am I trying to please God or trust God? And please God puts me in the room of performance and trust God puts me in the room of grace. I want to be in the room of grace. Promise, spiritual promise, believe, gives me the foundation I need. Now, I want to show you a clip out of one of the greatest movies of ever. This is one of the greatest scenes in, a, in the greatest, one of the greatest movies. I've shown it to you before, but guys, this is the gospel. I want you to listen to what's said here. This is um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore as they're getting ready to load the bus uh, to go out to the airfield um, and to head to Vietnam. Um, Mel Gibson plays Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore and they're standing on the parade field and he's talking about trusting him, promise. There is a sense of the gospel being shared in this. Believe me, trust me, I promise. Watch this. In the 7th Cavalry, we got a captain from the Ukraine, another from Puerto Rico. We've got Japanese, Chinese, Blacks, Hispanics, Cherokee Indians, Jews and Gentiles, all Americans. Now here in the States, some men in this unit may experience discrimination because of race or creed. But for you and me now, all that is gone. We're moving into the valley of the shadow of death, where you will watch the back of the man next to you as he will watch yours. And you won't care what color he is or by what name he calls God. They say we're leaving home. We're going to what home was always supposed to be. So let us understand the situation. We are going into battle against a tough and determined enemy. I can't promise you that I will bring you all home alive. But this I swear. Before you and before Almighty God, that when we go into battle, I will be the first to set foot on the field, and I will be the last to step off, and I will leave no one behind. 
dead or alive, we will all come home together. So help me God. Guys, I don't know um, the intimate conversations that Moses had with Joshua. Um, you know, as we've looked um, all through the wilderness uh, this past year, numerous examples of Moses uh, leading the people and Joshua being by his side. And Joshua was there. And Joshua was there. And Joshua was there. Guys, I, I, I am clearly convicted that the only reason that Joshua, the primary reason that Joshua was able to lead the Israelites across uh, the Jordan River is because he had been well prepared and he was anchored on the promises of God. Promise. I promise you. So guys, in, in being a man, what are your priorities even today? What are our marching orders? And I would suggest to you, it's very, very simple. Very simple. Love God. In Matthew chapter 22, um, you know that passage, Matthew 22, um, Jesus is talking and he says, you know, there's two great commandments. The first great commandment is to love God with all your heart. And the second great commandment is to love your neighbor. And so in order to truly be a man, we love God and we love people. So let's tease that out uh, because this idea of, of, of loving God can just be so broad. Um, let me break it down for you in bite-sized pieces. What does it mean to love God? I would suggest to you um, that there's five pieces to know God, to know him. It's the idea of intimacy. It might sound something like this as you begin your day. I will search for the God of the Bible, inviting him to change the core affections of my heart. That I want to fall in love with God every day. To love God means to have an intimate relationship with him. He walks with me and talks with me a long life's way, as the hymn goes, to know God. Secondly, to love God means to have self-examination, that I examine myself, that I allow my life um, to be laid up on the altar and, and, and see my life through the mirror of Scripture. It might sound something like this. I will examine my heart, think deeply about my life, and make needed changes based on how I understand God's larger purposes for my life. God, affirm me and correct me in the appropriate ways. Confessing my sins, acknowledging my sins, sharing my brokenness rather than trying to hide it or be scared to death that somebody's going to find out about uh, the most shameful parts of my life. That is miserable. That is hell. Thirdly, the Bible. If I'm going to love God, I want to read his word. 
I will make the study of God's word a daily habit. I've got to read God's word. Got to read it. Got to feed off of it. It is like manna. And, and when I eat it, it's like Ezekiel. He ate the scroll and it was like honey and prayer. And, and, I, and I've said to you uh, often, uh, you know, prayer can be such a religious exercise. And yet it is intended to be an intimate counter with God. And so to me, prayer would sound something like this. I will make intimate conversation with God a part of each day's actions and decisions. I'm talking all the time, listening. That's prayer, not some sort of religious thing, but intimate conversation with the living God. And then finally, to love God means to be in community. It would sound something like this. I will seek ways to be involved and connected to others in order to build his kingdom, community, his church. I'm involved. I'm not a loner. And then, and then this idea of loving people. And again, there's so much great scripture here that you can tease out. And I would encourage you to journal through this uh, this week. But who do you need to love? First of all, those of you who are married, most of us are. Man, it's our wife. I mean, I, I sit with broken people. I mean, if I just looked at who I sit with every day, I'm thinking, does anybody love their wife? I mean, I'm, all I'm seeing is the sick people. Well, I love my wife. And I know uh, men that are sitting here love your wife. It would sound something like this. I will seek to live a life that demonstrates that she is the most important person in my life after God, but before all others. She's broken. She says some crazy things to you. Quit reacting. Be the man. Love your wife. And then your children. I will be deliberate about offering my children my blessing and seek to be their spiritual mentor, greatest fan, encourager, cheerleader, champion, and example. May your children hear your voice of encouragement in their head, not a voice of criticism and shame. And friends, love your friends. I will live my life on a team of four, me and three others, that I've got men that I know care about me. I am so fortunate because I've got men that love me and that I love. In no way do I feel isolated. And then strangers, here, here's the key. I want to welcome all who may feel alone. Guys, we have the greatest message ever. We have the greatest promise ever. God wants us to have that sense that we're at home, that we're in a land of the living, and our Father has not only made us sons, but citizens. We are not strangers, and we want to welcome, welcome others. So guys, this morning, um, I hope you feel encouraged that we are offered promises, spiritual promises of being included in God's family. And all we have to do is believe, believe on his name. That's the gospel. Believe on his name and then live out of that intimate belief in order to love him and to love others. May you have a great day living on the promises of God. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we are so grateful for the rock that we stand on every day. Thank you for what you've done 
and promised us. And we believe you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, stay warm and safe. See you in two weeks at Vertical and next week on Zoom. Have a great week.